Welcome to the Reinventing Real Estate Podcast, hosted by Rodney Mullen, founder and CEO of Richer Values, Jeff Seal, Vice President of Originations at Ground Floor, and Patrick Donahue, Vice President of Market Risk at Ground Floor. Let's get started. Welcome to episode seven, valuations, science and art, and how investors can leverage that to their advantage. So with real estate, value is, and really with anything, value is defined as the price at which two people, a buyer and a seller, are willing to trade on something, an object, a good, a service, whatever that is. And homes and residential properties really carry an interesting element because it can be such an emotional decision for buyers and sellers. And so property valuation then winds up being an attempt to kind of quantify the emotional decision in advance. And where do we think, you know, this property is going to stack up with, with, you know, those buyers choices and, and emotional decisions to settle out at a price. And so it's the science of determining the value of art, right? So let's dive in. So quick educational context is, as we think about um, some of the most common, quote unquote, scientific or non-emotional objective elements to, to, to real estate that drive the value of residential property, you're going to have, you know, certain components, right, that, that quantify the function of a property, right? You've got your, your square footage, above grade, below grade, beds, baths, lot size, stories, garages, pools. So those are objective, quantifiable elements. Um, <clears throat> now, I'm going to just ask an open question. We've got the buzzer ready. First questions are shorter. But what do you think uh, are some common emotional items that can drive the value of residential property up or down? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I'll take a stab at that. Um, so it's funny. When I first read that, I think I took a different approach than what your your desired outcome was. And so I looked at it from if an investor is looking to purchase a property, sometimes they make decisions based on emotion. And so I started looking at it from that perspective. And I know, um, one, sometimes they're um, unrealistic on the expectation of value because it's close to a loved one or something like that. So they're going to make a decision that has nothing to do with the actual property value, but um, an emotional one um, as it ties to that certain that certain area. Um, another thing I thought of was, um, especially newer investors, it, they get into this, like, I got one mentality or paradigm and they're making a decision emotionally and trying to decipher what the value is based on, um, based on just the fact that they were able to get a property and that's happening a lot right now because of the supply of property. So, um, another one is I'm in too deep. Like once their earnest money deposits given, uh, they paid an astronomical amount and now they're just in too deep and they're taking this emotional movement to get through the transaction, even though the values don't make sense. And we may try to tell them that they're still uh, going to take an emotional approach. And again, I know this isn't where you, where your head was when you asked this question, but I, um, I, I couldn't help but dive into that a little bit. Um, but to go back to what I think you're looking for, um, is, and then to ask the question again, what do you think are common emotional items that can drive the value of residential property? Um, you know, it's gotta, it has to feel special. Right. It has to feel different. Um, I think um, I think the color of it can drive emotion. It can be the exact same property and a, and a very specific color. And that is going to change uh, from person to person as to what interests them. And so they'll make emotional decisions just based on that. Um, you know, I I think uh, 
anything. Oh, there it is. I'm done. Here's, here's the correct answer. Kitchens. Kitchens. Right. Yeah. No, I think, no, that, uh, honestly, Jeff, that was, that was really insightful. I like the way the direction took that. How, uh, what are, well, I, I was letting Jeff go long because that was such an interesting way to go at the beginning that I wanted to give him time, but now I'm having a mal buzzer malfunction. Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. roll. All right. So um, kitchens are, I think, a fundamental emotional driver, even though it's actually really functional too and hugely important. But, you know, you hear the stories of falling in love with the kitchen, right? I think front doors, one of the weird things that I do is I always look at very, really luxurious houses on Zillow because I just like doing it. And what I, I think what I'm drawn to emotionally is like the setting of a house. Um, so if there's, if it's well landscaped or um, has the potential to be land, well landscaped, I think that drives emotion. Um, but, you know, when you talk about functional items like kitchens that have also the aesthetic appeal and like um, mainly where most families spend their times, uh, it's not it's not only an emotional driver. It's also like, um, you know, more part of the science of it too. Like how well is the kitchen laid out? You know, what are the um, appliances and so forth? So if I have to button it down to one answer, it's kitchens. So that's well, a minute 30. Boom. Okay. That's good. Great. No, that's awesome. Um, I mean, Jeff, you, you touched upon, you know, almost like the poker playing aspect of, you know, the investment side, which is super interesting. Uh, Patrick, they're touching upon kind of the retail buyer, well landscaped, attractive spaces. Um, love it. I'll, I'll go to add to the, um, to the canvas a little bit and, and talk about negative emotional items. Right. And so investors got to beware like sometimes you just get into a house and it's super unattractive. It's layout is dysfunctional. It's lower architectural appeal, or it's sitting on a major arterial road, certain items that, that now bring the buyer into a negative emotional space that has to be really kind of overcome typically with price. Um, so yeah, this, this is great. We can start to really now see, that while real estate typically just looks at the quantitative, objective, scientific items of how many square feet and this and that, there's really this massive list of emotional items that drive decision on value for real estate. So this is this is a great start to the conversation. So <clears throat> we're going to ask open question that I have no data on to, to, to prove anybody right or wrong. I have no idea. But just from your experience... <clears throat> If you had to guess, what percentage of properties do you think are heavily driven by, you know, the quantitative factors and what percentage of properties are driven by more of these emotional factors? Um, what do you say? Yeah, that, you know, that's a great question. Um, no doubt the answer is going to be all over the place. And again, it was hard for me not to take an approach as a lender to think through the, the emotional aspect of people trying to purchase um, the projects themselves. Um, so I, I believe that all of them think the decision they're making is quantitative. Uh, I, I think that they're being fed 
subjective information that leads them to believe that it's quantitative, right? Uh, and so uh, I think I do actually think a majority of it. And actually, this is why I love auctions so much. I think I think a majority um, is actually emotional decisions. And most of the people we work with, I think it, it's an emotional decision. Um, and how can it not be? You're dealing with you're dealing with people's time and money, right? And people get really emotional about that. I would put a pretty large percentage um, on the number of people that are actually making decisions within the real estate realm uh, strictly on emotion. Um, and again, I think you're only as good as the data being fed to you. Uh, so I think you need to be cautious about where you're getting the data to make the decision that you're making. Um, and if it's someone within the transaction that's going to benefit from said transaction, it's probably not the person that you need to pull that quantitative information from because they're playing off emotion as well. Nice. Patrick. I would say that <clears throat> I would break it down now that institutions are buying single families and I've looked at some market share data of what are an investment purchase and what are non-investment or owner-occupied purchases. So I would I would put that number anywhere from like depending on the market, 12 to 18% is investment driven. And the difference I would probably characterize more as uh emotional driven, emotionally driven. So, you know, when I think of quantitative, I think of needs-based assessments like three bedrooms, I knew, you know, our family needs three bedrooms, two baths, and 1,500 square feet, right? But you could find that in any neighborhood in any city probably. But the decision of where to live tends to be around, um, you know, what is the best fit for the family? What are the schools like, you know? And I think real estate decisions are, are driven more by emotion than needs when it comes to um, picking something out for your family and where you want to live. There's a lot of characteristics that go into that decision that aren't strictly quantitative, even though there's a quantitative element to probably every real estate decision. So I'm going to muck up uh, the answer, but um, I would say like it's like 15% investment driven and the difference on balance being sort of emotionally driven with a lot of nuances involved. Interesting. So both of you, I think, are saying that when it comes to retail <clears throat> transactions, um, it's really 100% driven with emotion. Yeah. yeah, I think the final decision, and Patrick said it well, is, is an emotional one. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I could almost think of it as like, there's like bands, right? Whereas like, okay, the quantitative elements square footage, beds, baths, vintage, those quantitative elements might put me within like a range of what somebody might think is reasonable for a neighborhood. And that emotion, the emotional components then probably determine how far above or below that like, you know, midpoint or range somebody's going to go, right? And, and that's where maybe you get those variations. Because because you're not necessarily going to go and, and oh, somebody must just really love and love and love and love and love and love this house and the neighborhood's 250 grand and they're like 550. Like, you, okay, you're, it's not going to get that, right? Um, and so, but it's almost like, okay, so how much do they need to stretch? Which then still comes to like Jeff's point is, oh, then there's so much emotion in the like supply demand dynamic that then, you know, that, um, 
uh, you know, real time thing, you know, kind of comes into play. So it's that, that that's good. Okay, super interesting. So on the scientific objective side, you know, uh, again, we'll try to keep this one quick. What are some of the ways that investors can use some of those scientific items to their advantage? I, well, I think if you focus in on the scientific items, uh, you, you, you're removing the emotion. Emotion is always going to drive a higher price. Right? So the last thing anyone buying a property wants to do is pay a higher price. So um, focusing in on the scientific or quantitative approach is going to ensure that you don't get emotional and overpay on something and get into a transaction you shouldn't be in. Um, so, you know, and, and again, I, these are great questions. I don't know if I'm giving you the answers that you're really looking for, um, but ensure that the data that you're utilizing is, is coming from a subjective source, right? Um, not, not, not one. I think that's what I love about Richard Values is you're, you're moving the subjectivity of determining value of the property, right? So it's almost like you're moving the science and you make it quantitative. Um, and I like that and that's helpful. And I think it's important um, to, to at least start your your path to either invest or to purchase a property um, good good so you're talking about really using the scientific components as like guardrails to protect myself against my emotions in making decisions on the buy on the investment so that's oh, super, yeah. super interesting yeah yeah you start oh. with emotion um yeah i think you, you come out of the blocks incorrectly yeah nice great patrick so i think with this the what came to my mind is if if our hypothesis is right, and I think most investors who flip homes would agree with us um, that you know they're they're trying to drive an emotional response when they stage a property that they've just renovated, right? So if we're thinking about um, how best to bring that out, you know you have to you have to invest your dollars in what's going to drive you know the emotional responses that you want out of your prospective buyers picket fence landscape it driving you know appliances and kitchens soft colors the in-trend colors right um color schemes tend to change so be up to date on that consult realtors you can drive the emotion scientifically by spending your money on what does drive emotion um and i think that's critical in achieving top dollar from an, definitely from a fix and flip standpoint that differs with rentals. But even then you want that renter to come in and like that property and have an emotional connection to it. So cool. Awesome. Those are great answers. I love the, you know, difference in interpretation versus how I was thinking about the question. Cause I had in my mind, um, you know, more of a question of, okay, um, taking a half bath to a full bath or some of those things that can put your property into a different category that with the same amount of emotion as, as you move some of the scientific items into different tiers that can also help drive price. Uh, but still within the context, Patrick, of what you're, you're alluding to is, yeah, but everything should be ROI driven. And, and you know that, I mean, that's how we look at it at your values all the time. And we're able to quantify that, how much goes in, how much you're going to get out. And does that make any sense? Right. But so many times like, oh, the realtor comes and says, oh, it's a three, one, you got to add the second bath or, or, you know, it's, it, it, it's a three, two, you got to make it a four, two. And, you know, sometimes that's right. But sometimes all that is, is extra cost, you know, to, to make the realtor feel good about marketing. But you look at what actually trades and you're like, dude, that barely adds like three grand of, of, of value in the market. So, and it's costing me 10. 
So, um, but generally speaking, I was thinking about those objective items, but let's flip to that next one, which is, okay, so what are some of the ways that investors can use emotional items to, to, to their advantage? And you were starting to touch upon that, Patrick, maybe we'll go back to you. You know, you're starting to talk about the, you know, the picket fence and the this and that. Um, uh, but let's go with what are some of those ways to kind of, you know, start to set the stage for that buyer emotion to come in. And right. buyer can also be renter. I mean, we know it's the same, it's the same thing. Yeah. So um you continuing along those that you know line of thinking. So I think one often overlooked item, Jeff, I don't even know if it's in our budgets, but how a house is lit is super important and becoming more so, especially with uh more people, you know, using their homes as offices too, right? And sunlight, natural light, if you're in a, a vintage house, I love that term, Ronnie, by the way, I'm going to steal that. Um, you know, it, is there adequate modern sort of feel to the lighting is hugely important. The way technology interplays with your house, I think, is important. And I think that um, depending on, and this is, goes back to what we said probably in every podcast, if you're an investor, know your neighborhood that you're buying buying and investing in, right? Because if you want to drive an emotional response in some parts of Atlanta, that new modern design will fetch a way healthier ROI than um, what I actually prefer, which is like sort of the more traditional craftsman's, craftsman's type. I think the craftsman's type design is, is as charming as there is in architecture, right? I mean, it is, it's amazing. And it was sort of pre-built sort of Henry Ford style houses coming out um, delivered. So, um, but yeah, I think that knowing your neighborhood, knowing your buyers, um, that's critical to drive emotions. That's a good call. I like that. And, you know, I, I see this question. And I think a lot about what you just said uh, a moment ago, Rodney, is uh, again, what are some ways the investors can use scientific the science or the information you're trying to utilize may, may not be accurate, right? As you said, um, if you're in a neighborhood of this style of home, or if the home is already a three, one or three, one and a half, um, and your agent immediately tells you it needs to be a three, two, um, or they immediately tell you it should be a four, three, you guys know that I have, I, I have a strong opinion on just going in and adding square footage because you believe that increases value. That's not true. Um, the, the numbers or the science that you're utilizing might dictate that, uh, but the the information you're looking at shouldn't just be that. It should be what what is trading and what is it trading for, um, because the dollars may not make sense. And so um, I think that's what they need to do. Is it's not a matter of determining a four three trades higher than a three one and a half. If, if that's our example, um, it's it's it, how much it trades for it, how much it costs you to get there matters. Those numbers those numbers need to be um, considered. So. Um, yeah, I, that's what I think. On, I, the, on the emotional yeah. side, what are some of those emotional things that you think can really kind of tease out a higher emotional response to, you know, bid up a property or get the price up or the rent up? Um, man, I think you have to really process through the finishes. Like, I know that probably goes without saying, but not every home needs to look like it was just renovated. Um, and, and, and when I say that right now, everything is very stark. And, and maybe that's that's what everybody wants. Uh, but if you want my emotional response, show me something that doesn't look like the one next door as far as finishes go. Um, show me some color, um, something that something that gives me an emotional response. We look at some of the finishes now and they're beautiful homes, um, but they all look the same. 
<laughs> so, and that goes back to what Patrick was saying. Like, it's hard not to love, and maybe that's just what happens when you're in this industry. It's hard not to love that craftsman style build. Um, every one of them felt different. Every one of them had a different uh, color pattern. It felt like it was just heavier. Um, what do you think, Patrick? So I just, I love that, Jeff. We're, we think a lot like around this topic, but I think one thing that might be overlooked maybe in the, I'm talking more about fix and flip here, but even rent, renting, the pictures that you post online are more important now than in any decade previous, right? Oh, man. So because much. it's so driven. I mean, it's so, the, the photography around it and some of the more upscale areas, you get the drone looks at the neighborhood. Um, you get video walkthroughs that are really well done. Um, take some time to do that or pay for it, right? Put it in your budget. Great because call. presentation is anything. I mean, you are selling something, right? Great call. Um, and like you could have something sold before somebody shows up at the door with proper photography. And shout out to my brother-in-law who loves this podcast. He's a professional photographer and just moved back to the U.S. And him and my sister are house hunting. So they love our podcast. So shout out. Oh my gosh, that's a great call out. I, I love that. You're, you're so right uh, that you want to drive an emotional response. The first emotion you get is the one the one you open up on Realtor.com or Zillow or wherever. Yeah, good call. Absolutely. I'll just add one thing to this spectrum of discussion, which is, I think, really kind of an overarching perspective to be used throughout one's investment career, right? Because to Jeff's point, the trends change, right? So all of the homes that are going out today, that is because they've become popular over the past four to six years, right? The first ones that came out, oh, that was special. And so I think one of the big things is, especially in America, people want to feel like royalty when they're looking a house, whether it's rent or buy, they want to feel like a, 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 a mini king or whatever, right? Which is you want the uniqueness. You want, you know, like Patrick was saying before, oh, what kind of like attractive spaces do we have of like, oh, you know, this bar outdoor barbecue is so cool. I could sit there and I could picture like my barbecues that I'm going to have with, you know, the you know, all my buddies, whatever, the master bath, like, oh, look at how exquisite it's going to feel like I'm at, I'm at the Ritz Carlton every <laughs> morning when I wake up, this is great. Or look at this little nook where I'm going to make my coffee. And so like, I, for, for, for me, I think there are so many, um, I, I think if investors are taking the perspective of how do we like spruce it up and make something special so that people like get continued enjoyment, like, each day or each spring or summer or this or that, you know, by the things they're putting in. I think that's really the driving factor that, that sparks the emotion because the emotion comes with imagination. The emotion comes with like, Oh, this is so cool. Look, I can show my parents or my friends or this or that. Right. And, and, and so that's what I would kind of say. I should have buzzed mm -hmm. myself. That was way too <laughs> no, That was good. That was, a, that was a great rant. Totally worth every moment. Okay, cool. So let's let's look and ask, um, and we'll try to keep this to like a, a, a minute. So just if we've got quick ideas, but 
in terms of evoking this emotion to try to increase value, how do you see, what are some of the things that you see get used more frequently or successfully in, you know, these different spaces? And we'll take them um, one at a time unless, unless you want to just pick one. But, you know, it might be different for new construction, for fix and flip. For long-term rental and short-term rental, right? There's different components to kind of evoke that emotion that will get your price up. I think photos and staging is really the number one key to all of that. I think, Patrick, you're so on the money right there. But, um, okay, open question, go. Yeah, I think, so I won't go through all these. You, you, it's a great list here, whether it's new construction, a, a flip and resale, uh, long-term rental, short-term rental, um, and, the, and, and the response changes, right? I mean, it's it, when I'm looking at these, I see, um, do I, do I want to buy a Ford Focus because it gets the job done, um, mm-hmm. or, 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 or do I want a Corvette? Um, and, you know, your short-term rental has got to be a Corvette, right? That's, that's the emotional response you're looking for. It's something that I don't have every single day. Most people don't. Uh, so I want to experience that. Um, and so, uh, long-term rental, um, can I afford it? Like get most bang for my buck. That's what matters. And I think you, I think there's so, there's a significantly less amount of emotion in that type of transaction. And so it's, it goes back to more of a science approach. Like, can I, can I afford it? Does this make sense? Um, so when you're renovating a property like that, that probably needs to be your, uh, your frame of mind, uh, when actually spending money on that thing. But yeah, and, and with new construction, like the world is your oyster, you know, like don't, don't outbuild the neighborhood, but my gosh, um, you can, uh, yeah, I guess it's just, again, it depends on what your end result is with that new construction. Cool. So, um, you know, this is a really interesting question. So I wish there was a corollary to like the, the car industry because no one drives emotion better than the car industry because they have this universal new car smell right and it just is pleasant Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't think i've ever met somebody that doesn't love that smell right and it's so true and it drives it evokes emotion right It, it evokes like pride of ownership and you know i think it's i wish that i could find its corollary in real estate right um but if we're trying to search for that i would say that um uh, I think that for short-term rentals, one of the most compelling things that I see um, not enough is when, like I'll point this out with an example. I was looking at Airbnbs in Nashville and the one that I thought was the best um, catered their decor to Nashville, right? Which was so brilliant and subtle, but it's people it's like people are coming to nashville to experience nashville like make your property nashville right they had this cool old sort of nashville sign and like music and um i think they had like a hot chicken sign or something like i mean it was just really thoughtful right so that's a really great way to drive attention and emotion subconsciously actually right and um i think anything any advantage that you could find i found one of the best flips I've ever seen done at ground floor. She's a, an amazing, amazingly creative, artistic person. And we disagreed on value every time she did a loan with us. And she was always right. 
um, because she would do subtle things with backsplashes in kitchens. And her houses never appraised. She was always overpriced for the neighborhood, but always got what she wanted because she knew exactly what to promote and what to spend money and focus on. Um, so I'm probably overboard on this question, but for new construction, I would really, really look at the curb appeal in the neighborhood and I would spend a lot of time with landscape and mm -hmm. fencing and what that kitchen looks like and what your first viewpoint of the house is, right? That's why I think great rooms in, even in like the uh, neighborhoods that are track housing, I think track housing done well with like really cool great rooms um, can can drive that emotional appeal. So, I mean, that's kind of how I, I think long-term rental, it's harder, but new construction and, and uh, fix and flip and, and short-term rental, be cognizant of who you're selling to. Those are, those are great points. I wanted to buzz you, but I had to let you keep going. I'm sorry. I know I went overboard on that. So. <laughs> um, no, this is great. I mean, the only thing I would add is um, to use your example of your investor who's just amazing at design. Look, I, I, I know a um, uh, previous client of mine is a REIT um, uh, kind of smaller scale in a few different markets, you know, been accumulating rentals and, and their strategy is, is interesting in that most often I think people take the approach you guys are saying, which is look, it's just about function, you know, ain't no emotion to it. It's just, can I afford it? And that's it. Um, and they, they don't agree. And in their markets, which are not your typical snaz it up markets, they've um, spruced up their properties much more than typical rentals. And oftentimes the rental properties, they're smaller. You can do it in a pretty cost-effective way. And they've been able to, you know, get 10, 15, 18% rent premiums along to rentals in their markets because the rest of the options out there suck. And so if I now have this one that sucks and this one that like, oh, I can feel like, again, a mini prince, you know, even though I'm renting, uh, but I, I can I can now feel like that pride of ownership because this is a really cool place. So I just, that's only I want to throw out there is, is, is I think this dynamic does exist in each of these segments. Patrick. Yep. Good call. So, so Rodney, on, on your reports, instead of having full rehabs, can you call those snaz it up rehabs? <laughs> we'll I, I, I think I think that change would I think that change would be awesome. Yeah, but no, the, I, I, those banks, are great points. You think the, the, the banks will appreciate that? Well, yeah, well, right. it's a very technical term. It is a technical term. I like it. We'll put it in the definition section. Snaz it up. I love also that as a slogan. As full remodel. It'll just say it in fine print. <laughs> you don't hear snaz as much as you used to. You don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to bring you back. That was good work. Like it. Nice job. Dating myself. Okay. We ready? Yep. Rapid fire. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to go through some of these examples. And I want to hear your most cost-effective bang for the buck for each of these property types. And it, then if you want to share a snippet on why. Okay. So 
And Rodney, before you go, you did have snaz up in the writing of this question. <laughs> point that out to the listeners. Which I, now which you I know it's official. That's right. <laughs> it's in writing. All right, Jeff, you're up, bro. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This stuff. So uh, go okay. ahead. Do you want? Yeah. So here we go. So most cost-effective bang for the buck elements, um, you know, to really s- strike that emotion to drive up price on first one make it easy for you guys softball i'm not even going to answer atlanta remodel oh man i bet patrick will have a better answer than me but i feel like uh uh knock it down build modern is is what i feel like i see more than anything yeah agreed you see that a lot fetching a nice dollar i still say take care of the craftsmen and redo the craftsmen because they're very intricate to the atlanta history and uh, a lot of neighborhoods are, are very charming and being brought back to life, just doing simple fix-up of the craftsman. Oh, crap. That's a way better answer. Good stuff. <laughs> okay, cool. I'll add to that answer because um, we happen to look at some Atlanta homes every now and then, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, Especially in those smaller craftsman and bungalow properties, do definitely finish that basement and double your function. Um, Heavy rehabs. If, if, if you're not going to go just route of, of knock it down and build something new, you know, it, it, it definitely is a cost effective way to, you know, really increase value there. Okay, here we go. Mid-century, Midwestern basement home. What are you going to do? So Simple, I, cost effective bang for the buck. Yeah, I say, so what I said is it, it, it's almost like if it's not broke, don't fix it. Do, um, keep those period-specific details. Uh, so when you say something like mid-century, Midwestern, like there is something very lovely about that build. Keep those details in there. Don't strip them out. Uh, my key on this is when I envision this property type, say in Wichita where Jeff lives, you know, the that house is the house that you go to a cookout at. Right. And so be be cognizant of the cookout area in the backyard. Um, if you can, if you know, the lot permits, make sure that, you know, you focus on that. But I, I like the answer of keeping it period specific, Jeff. That's really good. Awesome. I was going to say, um, you know, porch and deck, um, yeah. you know, like, like Patrick just said. So the other mm-hmm. thing that I'll say is um, <clears throat> kitchen layout. So sometimes those homes don't have the best uh, native kitchen. And if you just blow that open a little bit while keeping the rest of the character of the home intact, I think that that gets a ton of bang for the buck where you now you get that, you know, open feel. Yeah. And one more on that, Rodney. I think if you can create a great man cave or person cave um, that in the basement and just don't ignore it, make it a space that is worth inviting people over to watch the game or watch the the show on Netflix or whatever it is that you like, you know, you think that is, you know, going to be done in the house, right? Like, so I, I think the basement can be a really interesting space to pay attention to. And you can probably do it for much less per square foot than upstairs. Absolutely. Good call out. I did, I, you know, I made the assumption that was, that was um, understood. And I think it's, it's a good, good move to call that out. Yep. Great. Okay. Next one. Urban townhome. Man, I th- when I think urban townhome, I think for whatever, I fresh freshen up the kitchen. Um, 
I, I just, I think that's where all the time is spent in a town home in my mind is you're just a lot of time in the kitchen. Um, so that's, that's where I would spend all my time and energy. Yeah. Along those lines, finishes really important. Um, and then whatever outdoor space you can manufacture to be able to use, I think you can add a lot to. Yeah. I, another quick note on that, uh, get innovative in the storage. And so I, people that get innovative in yeah. the storage, uh, component of those is super valuable. Cool. I would say two quick things. <clears throat> One is a lot of times exposing that brick in those common areas. Yeah. Um, huge bang for the buck there. You know, you, you, you can expose it, re restore it, um, and it adds great character. And the other thing I'll say that I'm surprised Patrick didn't say, because we know he loves this, is because we see this kind of stuff all the time, is <clears throat> basement, second unit, Airbnb. Yeah. You know, boom, all of a sudden, like major cash flow opportunity for that that homeowner. Um, again, we see it all the time. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you can get major bang for the buck with that. Yeah, more and more. Good call. Good call. <clears throat> okay. You're kind of mid-grade, builder's grade, new construction. What's something to infuse into that project in a cost-effective way to, you know, bring out that emotion to drive higher value? Man, I, I can't decide if you're just teeing this up. I, I mean, if it's mid-grade new construction, do you, do you increase that grade, I guess? I I mean, um, unless you just plan on selling it uh, in a mid-grade, you know, uh, contractor finishes. But uh, that was a tough one for me. I didn't have a great answer. I have a feeling Patrick is very disappointed um, in my response. I'd love to hear his thoughts. I, mean, I just got a buzz out, out of, out of principle now. Right. I agree. I'm out. No. I think what you're saying is right. I think like I would, you know, sort of edit the sentence and be like, what, wherever you can, you know, wherever you can accentuate to make it seem as though it's not mid-grade, right? Like there's nothing, first of all, there's nothing wrong with mid-grade, but I do have a, a very concrete suggestion for mid-grade new construction. Make sure the appliances match the cutout, the counter cutouts, especially because so many times you get, especially with one-off spec homes, if it's, you know, say a starter home where you have refrigerators that don't match the cutout of the, the input, right? And it's very noticeable. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm in the industry, so I look for it, but I think subconsciously you notice it, actually, even if you're not looking for it. Mm -hmm. So I would say, you know, if you're going to hit down the middle, which you want to do on mid-grade new construction just make sure the details are sound right it sounds like an oversimplistic comment but it's not because i've seen a lot of examples where i think you're going to find that if you don't pay attention to those details things like um what does the front door look like what does the garage door open <laughs> you know well and smoothly and little things like that make a big difference how the railings look is another key one. I don't think it's something people focus on and they like consciously glare at, but they do subconsciously note it. And I think when you look, what the, what is curb appeal? If we talk about science and art, you can't really define it as scientifically, but you just know it when you like it, right? Um, that's my answer. My gosh, that's a beautiful answer. And let's not skip over the fact that he did use the word accentuate at the beginning of that, which is fantastic. And we're in the rapid fire section. That was like the <laughs> slowest, you know, firing line I've ever seen. 
I don't know. <laughs> brilliance. You know, you just, you can't put a lid on it. I'm you sorry. can't put a lid on it. <laughs> you sure can't. The buzzer can. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's great. I mean, uh, you know, a couple of things that I had in, in mind. Um, one is, I mean, even just the moldings, right? <clears throat> great example. Something like that is barely moves the needle to put, you know, moldings um, with a little bit more character that now give the whole room a feel. It's like Patrick said, nobody's looking at it, but everybody sees it. They just don't realize it. And so I think there's things like that where you're already spending money. Um, so I would say moldings. Also, a lot of times you can do um, some really cost-effective things with, with lighting, chandelier, this or that, that you're already spending X anyway. It's like another hundred bucks, but it, but it, it, it gives it another feel. Um, and then the other same kind of thing I, I would say is countertops. I, th I think you're already doing X, Y, Z. I think there are some elements you can do to, um, you know, really spruce that up. Just real quick. I have to do this. Uh, a shout out to my wife, uh, who, uh, is very focused on porches. She's a sucker for porches. So I don't think that's uncommon. I think it's a really interesting way to, to, to see property. You know, it's the porch, right? And a well does in the South, the South does porches really well. I have to say some of the older neighborhoods, um, it does, it's very, very unique. And, um, so I, th I would say porch is just as a shout out to Melissa. There you go. There you go. Nice. Okay. Let's, let's, we got three more. I'm we'll doing everything I can to ruin your lightning round. <laughs> we're we're going to see if we can do these rapid. Okay. <laughs> the next one would be sticking with new construction, but now high end new construction. What's, you know, what's the one thing that you think can really evoke that emotion to, to, to fetch a higher price? Patrick, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this real quick. Okay. Um, put a pool in, um, and oh. a pool doesn't scientifically raise the value as Rodney will tell you, a pool doesn't, doesn't have an intrinsic square foot advantage to sales price, but it certainly has an emotional one, uh, good or bad, I guess. I mean, if you hate pools, you know, you're not going to like that house, but I think things like a pool, I think, uh, is, is a sort of category, something that's you know, um, unique to the neighborhood. I think like, um, I would say, uh, the, like theaters in-house theaters, um, promoting sort of the, um, you know, the digital sort of components to our lives, like high tech features, um, and lighting. I know that a lot. Ah, sorry. Good. Ah, <laughs> Got it. Uh, real quick. Um, um, stage it well. Uh, yeah, like in the high end. So I treat it as such. Um, it goes back to some comments made earlier. Uh, make sure the photography and and, and the and the listing and the details around that um, are top notch. I mean, it's 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 worth every penny. And nice. that seems pretty cost effective. Yeah. Nice. I I was actually going to say negative edge pool, right? You you, you want to have details out there that like again are that unique, uh, and especially when you're going into high end construction. I think most people want to entertain. And so the pool or other outdoor spaces, or if it's indoor, get unique entertainment spaces that will give the wow factor. And again, you typically you'll, you'll drive the value much more than the cost of putting it in. Nice. I, I can't believe you both said pool. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay. California hillside property. Earthquake insurance. 
I I don't know. I, I don't you know. I don't really know on this. Um, good views, right? Make sure they have good views. Yeah, I don't don't skip on the windows is the only thing I can think of, man. I mean, when I walk in, I'm barely going to be looking at the property. I think I walk in and I immediately look out the back to see what I've got. Um, I don't know. I, I I think I'd like to see something. Like, yeah, that that would be my immediate response. I yeah. live in Kansas, so we don't have hills. I don't know what this looks like. Yeah, and I'm going to go with Patrick's word. I think everything is about accentuate. If there is mm-hmm. an, you know, an angle of that, of that back where, oh, you can see that coast or you can see this part of the city or wherever, then design around that, right? Oh, look at that. You know, I have an open fireplace that right through it. Now I get that view or whatever, right? Whether it's indoor, outdoor, you know, accentuate that uniqueness in a way that no other parcel can. And I think that is the key to really drive up value uh, significantly more than just your square footage on paper. Okay, last one, <clears throat> urban Airbnb. Um, I'm doing So I'm really focusing on the cost-effective piece of this. I think your listing matters a lot and the information, the details you put within that listing um, that, that drive you to specific areas in that city. Like he used Nashville as an example. I love Nashville. We stayed in one just a few weeks ago. Same thing. It was very Nashville-y. Um, so I just, yeah, the, the details that are issued in the listing are, are going to be definitely the most cost-effective thing you do. Nice. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say have really available and even on the listing, like Jeff is saying, things to do in the area and how to, and how to like access things, like be a good host. That's, you know, where you're not there, but a good host that shows directions where to get things, where to go, how to do things, give the local secrets, you know, those types of things. So I think think Jeff nailed that answer. I don't know if I have a lot to add to that. No, that was perfect. Patrick's really talking about the experience and customer service while you're there. Absolutely huge. You know, the people that are killing it in short-term rentals are doing it because they understand that this is about operating a business. This is not, you know, a pure real estate play. This is operating a business and that business has customers and you need ratings and you need that 100% key. The, 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 The one thing that, that I'll say onto your listing piece, Jeff, is that um, I like your analogy from before of the fusion of the Corvette, right? When you're searching for the Airbnb, people are now searching for the experience and they will splurge more when they see something, you know, really fantastic, right? And so sometimes that's as simple as like, oh, we got a pool and a foosball table. (laughs) Like that's not so expensive, right? And stuff like that, um, you know, then really helps kind of attract people to grab that listing versus something else. Uh, yeah, man. Stuff. Okay. I think, I think we're, we're closing out. Any, any comments, closing remarks? Um, yeah. The, uh, I listened to a, a podcast of the founders at Airbnb and they used to go and check in on their guests to get like feedback on the experience. Right. And I think if you're a short term rental participant and owner, you know, I know that there's like surveys and things that people up, but like try to talk to them and find out. Like, I think that is a huge lesson, maybe for any business. Right, Rodney? Go and understand your client. Right. So but thank you, guys. That was awesome. I love it.
really great yeah. job today. Yep. Yeah, thank awesome. you. Till next time. Yeah. See you guys.